She doesn't feel happy, but she loves me and she just needs space is a lie. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast, episode 158. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening or watching wherever you're coming from. I appreciate you. On this podcast, we answer your questions. You email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Ask me anything. It could be about any subject. And if, if you've watched this before, listened to this before, you know we go all over the board. We're going to start with this one here. Subject line says, mistakes. And the question says, I've cheated on my girlfriend of two years. I went away for the summer, so I didn't have to deal with it then. I got back and just felt off and just broke up with her with no explanation. I dove back into my Bible and God to continue to grow and heal from that mistake. Two months of doing me and growing, my girlfriend reaches back out to me and we have coffee together and talk about rekindling us. And it was a great and productive conversation. The next day, we go for a picnic dinner, and I finally worked up the courage to tell her what happened before I left for the summer. She had no words then, and the next day, she texts me saying, I forgive you, it won't be forgotten. This is the last you will ever hear from me. I never stopped loving her through it all. I still, have, I still love her, and I still have so much regret and disappointment in myself and sorrow for how badly I've hurt her. My question is, how do I go to forgive myself and let her go? As it is me who completely broke her and myself, and I feel I ripped away what could have been a beautiful future. Question comes from Joey. Thanks for the email, buddy. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for your vulnerability in sending to the world this message. Um, yeah, let's, let's dive into it. I want to start with uh, I'm going to start with the Bible because that's where that's where you went. You said I dove back into the Bible and God to continue to grow and heal from that mistake. So let's let's take that line and then let's harmonize that with the bottom where you say I have so much regret and disappointment in myself and sorrow for how badly I've hurt her. How do I forgive myself and let her go? Okay, so let's harmonize those two things together because if if you read your Bible, you you can understand that we are broken creatures. We do make mistakes and and as believers, those that love Christ, we are forgiven. And so when we are forgiven, we then can have the ability to forgive others or the other way around if you want to look at it that way. We forgive because we are forgiven. So you you made a really bad mistake. You lost this girl. You love her, but I, I have to say, um, what 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 did you say here? Um, how do, how do I let her go? So you're you're gonna have to move on because you're gonna have to own up to what you did, and you can't blame her for what she did because she said technically the right thing. She said, I forgive you, but it won't be forgotten. So we know that when we forgive, forgiveness doesn't equal trust. So you can forgive someone and still not trust them. So we can't blame her. But at the same time, I feel like there's an unnecessary amount of anguish that you're having for yourself because of the breakup and not because of the problem that started the breakup. You got your hopes up, thinking that maybe you're going to get her back and then you could be honest with her and that surely she would forgive you. 
and it's just not the case. And so the best thing to do is learn from this. And when we sin like this, there's consequences to our sin. So there's consequences to bad mistakes that we make, and when the consequences happen as a form of discipline, really, we don't look at the discipline and go, but why did I get disciplined? I've, I've already you know, justified my situation. So uh, all, all I'm saying, buddy, is you, you got to move on and you got to learn that you, you, you were a broken person and now you're on a road of righteousness of getting better. And you're going to do that by going back to your Bible and continuing to trust and continuing to heal from that. But the consequences from it don't just disappear because all of a sudden you're a good person now. Does that make sense? Next question says, baby mama drama. How many times have I read something like this? Hey, Granger, wanted to get your advice on a situation that's been going on for four years. After a toxic nine-year relationship with my daughter's mom, we went our separate ways and went to court and all that stuff. I have 50-50 custody of my daughter. No matter what I do, I can never seem to do things right by my ex. I pay my child support. I'm actively in my daughter's life, take her on daddy-daughter dates, and of course, to your shows. But anytime our daughter acts up or needs discipline, I'm the one that has to do it, even though the behaviors don't always happen at my house. Please give me some advice on how to go on co-parenting as I've tried everything I could think of. Dave. Dave, thanks for the email, buddy. Appreciate you opening up as well. And uh, yeah, we see we see baby mama drama a lot on this podcast. We go through it a lot. And part of part of this podcast, I know there's a lot of people that listen that don't ask questions, but they listen just to know that they're not alone out there. That other people have similar problems, if not the exact same problem as they do, minus the details. So what we know from your email is we cannot control baby mama, but we can control how we react to her. So you can't help the fact that she doesn't think you do anything right or that she doesn't discipline your daughter and you do. So what do you do? Well, you can only control how you react to that, which is you discipline where you see it's necessary. You don't hold a grudge. You forgive baby mama. You see the situation for what it is. It was a toxic relationship. You've now moved on. You're, you're in a better place now. And the only thing left over, the remnants from that toxic relationship is... Uh, you have to deal with her. And so whatever you do, don't argue with her. Don't accuse her of not doing her part in the 50-50. Don't accuse her of not disciplining. Just do it. You only have a few years left. I don't know how, how old your daughter is now. Uh, but regardless, you only have a handful of years left with her as a co-parent. And after that, she gets to decide who she's going to live with or who she's going to spend most of her time with. So love her. Love baby mama. Don't talk bad about baby mama in front of your daughter. That, that would be a terrible thing because regardless, that's her biological mother and she loves her for that reason. So don't talk bad about her in front of her because that's the kind of thing she's going to remember forever. What she, what she needs to remember is mom and dad, they didn't work out together, but dad still loves her and mom still loves dad and we're in a better place now. That's the best thing you could do to reconcile a really bad situation. So don't blame her. Don't accuse her. Don't talk bad about her in front of your daughter and forgive her. Next question, subject line says, help, I feel alone. Another common question on this podcast. 
Hey, Granger, please keep this anonymous. I just turned 17 years old and started my senior year in high school, and I feel lost in life. I know I have friends and family who really care about me, but it seems like I always feel alone in life and no one is there for me. I know this is all part of God's plan, and He has a purpose. I have no clue what this purpose is, and it's hard to continue every day. I feel worse about myself. It seems like I'm always a second option to everyone in my life. I'm scared to tell people how I've been feeling for a long time now, and I have no clue how to say something without feeling like I'm going to be judged. I have no clue what to do in my life. I just feel so lost. It feels like every step I take, I try to get help and help myself, and I just end up feeling the same. Can you please give me some advice, Granger? I need help. All right, buddy. Thanks for the email. And let's start like we did the first podcast. Let's start so let's start with your sentence about God. Here's what you said. I know this is all part of God's plan and he has a purpose. We'll stop right there and just let that sink in. Let's harmonize that with the end of your question. I feel so lost. It seems like every step I take and try to help me, I just end up feeling the same. So those two things don't harmonize at all. And I'm a singer. (laughs) You do not trust God. You do not think he has a plan. And you do not trust his purpose. You don't. And this is tough love. I'm I'm uh, I'm not judging or criticizing you. Uh, because I think you're you're the same as a, a lot of people, and and I understand this mentality. I once was in the same kind of mentality, but you you can't say both things, buddy. You can't say I trust God, I trust He has a purpose, and then go back down and say I feel so lost. It just seems like because because the, the, what's missing here is your idea of who God is. You don't know who God is, so don't pretend like you do, and you might as well be an atheist. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there, and this is tough love, but you might as well be an atheist. That could be the title of a book. You might as well be an atheist. Because if, if you, you're you wasting your time, if you're reading the Bible and praying and going to church, if you're doing that and still feeling lost and you don't know what to do and you, you're, you just feel like you have no purpose in your life, you're wasting your time going to church. You might as well go to TED Talks. You might as well read self-help books because it's not working. Unless, unless you truly knew who God is, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of all things, the one who's working everything for good for those that love him. If you believe that, if you saw anything like what people saw when they saw the appearance of the, of the glory of God, if you saw anything like that as revealed in the Bible, you wouldn't feel lost. You would just trust that doesn't make life easier. It doesn't wipe away suffering or persecution or loneliness. It doesn't just wipe it away clean, but you have a rock that you're standing on. So when you're all alone and you're, and you're standing and you feel, you feel lost and you feel it without a purpose, you go, but I'm standing on a rock. I'm standing on solid ground. This isn't shifting sand. I know exactly who's controlling things around here. That's what you would say. And then you wouldn't even have to email me. So let's, let's dive in deeper to that. I want you to go and pull out your Bible and read it like your life depends on it. I want you standing on that rock 
knowing that regardless of how you feel and regardless of your emotions and your the shifting sand of your heart that is deceitful and that just twists and turns and goes all different directions, I want you to say with your brain, I want you to repeat words that you could stand on. God, you are my rock. You are my fortress. There is no shifting stand, sand when I'm standing on your word. Now, here's the catch to all this. And this is what I want to get to in your question. If you believe that, what I just said, then you'll know through the word what your purpose is. You say, I have no clue what this purpose is, and it's hard to continue every day. I feel worse about myself. Well, the Bible, the revealed word of God, has your purpose very clear. First of all, you were created for his glory. And second of all, your purpose is to take his word, to take the good news, to take the gospel to all the unreached people of the earth. That is your purpose. Pouring into others. When you do that, when you pour into others, when you tell people the good news, you are then fulfilling your purpose. And then through fulfilling your purpose as a created being by the creator, you will have peace. You will have joy. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound nice to have rest? Are you weary and burdened? Jesus would say, do you want to be healed? How long do you want to stand on the shifting sand? How long do you want to wonder what your purpose is on this rock that's revolving around the sun? What's my purpose here? I don't know. And Jesus says, it's right here in the word. Anyone that loves me will keep my word. That's what Jesus said in John 14. I don't know how many times I've said that on this podcast. Anyone that loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Equaling rest and peace through suffering, through persecution, through loneliness, through grief, through heartache, through all of that, you're standing on a rock with peace. Not as the world gives. It's a whole different ballgame. Keep digging. Email me back if you have more questions about that. Let's hit another one here. Subject line says, need some tips and advice. Hey, Granger, my name is Wiley. I'm from Oconee County, Georgia. I'm 13 years old and I love listening to your podcast. I'm cutting the, whenever, whenever I'm cutting the grass and doing stuff, I want, I want to listen to you. I want to ask you a question about how to start playing guitar. Uh, I could ask for a guitar lesson for Christmas. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you have any tips on how to start playing guitar with a good approach? Thanks for all you do. Yee Yee from Wiley. He says, P.S. Tell Earl hi. <laughs> Man, Wiley, thank you for the email, buddy. And it always surprises me when a 13-year-old's listening. I love that. And I also love that you're cutting the grass. That's what I was doing at 13 too. So I love that you're cutting the grass. I love that you're listening to the podcast. I appreciate you, brother. So yeah, playing guitar, I would, I would not ask for lessons for Christmas. Don't do that. Lessons cost money. And these days, you can get really good stuff, really good material for free on YouTube. So instead of asking for lessons, ask for a nicer guitar. A nicer guitar helps playing that much better. 
a nicer guitar it's easier on the fingers easier on the hands easier to make chord structures uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna get super blisters on your on the tips of your fingers when you have a nice guitar with some nice strings. So if anything, you could take the guitar you have and take it to a, a guitar technician and have him look at it, have him lower the action, have him put some new strings on it, make it feeling real nice, get some nice fret ease or some kind of oil to put on the strings to make them nice and silky on your fingers. Uh, those those things are more important than spending money going to like a music store and sitting in front of a guy that you don't know who he is and he might not even be that good and he's teaching you lessons and it's not really the lesson you even want to learn. So don't do any of that stuff. Go to YouTube, get it for free. Put the money instead into a nicer guitar. It's like, look at it, look at it this way. It's like someone trying to learn how to throw a, a pass in football and they've got a really bad football. It's, they got a really ball, really bad ball, and it's it's like all worn up and scuffed, scuffed up, and and the leather's all smooth, and it's really hard to hold, and it's, it doesn't have enough air in it. Go get you a nice football, and then start working on your pass. Right? This just makes it easier. Let's hit another one. Subject line here says, "I need help with my future." Hey, Granger, I love the podcast and the music you put out. My name is Chase. I'm 19 from Greenville, South Carolina, and I have this passion for fishing competitively, and I want to compete at the highest level professional bass fishing. I've never been good at school, and that has continued going on through my first year of college. It was free because it was a small tech school, and I have lost that because I struggled to do my homework because I'm always fishing or constantly working so I could pay for tournaments. My parents say they believe I could fish for a living, but going to school and getting a real job is a safer option. I have prayed and prayed and feel like God is calling me to chase my dream, but I respect my parents and I don't want them to be disappointed. I don't know if I should spend the money. I work to pay for tournaments or pay for school. I truly think the love for bass fishing is a gift from the Lord and I could get up on a stage in a way and tell people about him. Thanks for the podcast. It's helped me a ton in my relationship with Christ and others in my life. All right, buddy. Thank you, Chase. Thanks for the email. And thanks for listening. Shout out to South Carolina. Yeah, man. So I, I want to just say so many times we we say the things like this, like you said, you say, I've prayed so hard and I think God is telling me I should do this. Well, how do you know that? Are you getting like a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling? You're praying really hard, and then how is God revealing that that's right? Is he just making you feel happy or something? Because the correct answer is, I pray, and then I read the Bible, and as revealed in his word, the truth comes. So I would say this, if that's what you're praying, God, help me be a pro bass fisherman, I really want to do this. Are you saying that? Or are you saying, God... Your will, your purpose above mine. I'm laying everything at your feet, and then I'm reading the word. And, and, and when I read the word, I see that God's word's going to say, respect your parents. Okay? And so your parents are saying, dude, go to school. And you're saying, I don't really respect that. I think God is calling me to pro bass fishing. And there's a big contradiction there because that's not what the Bible says. 
And I'm just going by your word. If you're sitting next to me in a pickup truck and we were driving down the road, we could have a longer conversation, but I'm just going by what your words say, and that's how it appears to be. So that aside, I say just just practically speaking here, if I was going to be making a, a decision like this, I would I would have a piece of paper with a couple columns, a pro and cons list. I'd have bass fishing and I'd have school. Now, what's obvious to me and people listening outside of your situation is that school is fundamental right now to get this tech degree, whatever it is. Bass fishing can wait. Bass, bass fishing will be there after you finish school. It'll be there next year or the next five years or, or the next 10 years. Bass fishing will be there as an opportunity, but school has to happen right now. That's what your parents see. And that's what I see. If I was in your situation and I once was, I had to go back to school. Now, I could tell you a thousand reasons why going back to school when I was 19 actually mattered to me now at my age. Significantly mattered now because I had the opportunity. I'm not saying everyone has the opportunity. I'm not saying everyone needs to drop what they're doing and go to college. I'm just speaking to you, Chase, in your specific situation where you're at a crossroads. You have the opportunity to go finish up tech school. You say, I'm not a good student. I reject that. You're not a good student because you don't care. I mean, I'm not a good bass fisherman. I'm probably not nearly as good as you. I love bass fishing, but I'm not nearly as good as you. Why? Because I don't go enough. Ultimately, I don't care enough to do it every day at a competitive level. So that's, that's you in school. You just don't do it enough. You're not putting effort or care into it. Look at it as a stepping stone that once you get that tech degree, you have a really good safety net, like your parents said. You have a really good safety net to fall back on, and you could always go back to it. Fishing will be there, and if fishing doesn't work out, you've got a really good safety net to fall back on with a tech degree that can get you into another kind of career. If bass fishing doesn't work out, and you don't have a safety net to fall back on, you're in trouble. Without skills, without a degree for those skills, without connections and a new kind of skill, you're in trouble. You're starting back at square one. Your parents see that. That's why we need to honor what your parents are saying. And that is what God is saying too. We'll take a break. Be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We put out new episodes every single Monday morning, so be looking for that. You could also find me on After Midnight if you have a local FM iHeart radio station. We're on over 300 stations across the country from midnight to 6 a.m. If you want to get a personal message from me, the best way to do it is cameo.com slash Smith. You write me a note, I'll send you whatever. Congratulations, happy anniversary happy birthday, whatever it might be, even words of encouragement, and I'll send it to you from a video message from my phone tailored to however you want me to read it. You can also go to the Cameo app, that's C-A-M-E-O, and look for me, Granger Smith, and I'll leave you a personal message. Back to the podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Next question, subject line says, trying to save the relationship. The question is, me and my girlfriend have been together for almost a year. We broke up November of 21 and got back together January of this year. 
And our relationship has been great. We've had a few ups and downs, but got past them. Everything was great until now. She started acting distant, and I asked her what was going on. She said she doesn't feel happy, but she loves me, and she just needs more space. I told her I'll stay with my dad for a little bit to give her space. What do you think I should do? Yeah, let's dive into this. Thanks for the email, buddy. Um, this is something that I seem to repeat a lot on this podcast, but let me kind of translate what she's saying. She's saying she doesn't feel happy, but she loves me and she just needs space is a lie of some sort. Now, I'm not denying that she could love you at a certain friendship level, or anyone could love someone that they've been with for a certain amount of time, and you've been together for almost a year. So what she means is, let me translate this for you. What she means is, I don't feel happy. I don't love you in that way. I need out. Okay? Because she's a nice person, and because she doesn't want to, she doesn't, let me say this in a nice way. She doesn't have courage to look you in the eye and tell you this. Then she's going to kind of sugarcoat it and say, I, but I still love you and I'll, I'll probably always love you. We have something really special. I just, just me, this is me. This is on me. I'm, I'm just not happy with, my, with me. It's not you. I just need some space from the world and from everybody. It's not, it's not you. It's me. It's not this relationship, right? Okay, we hear that. But what she means is, I need out. I'm not into you. That's what she means. Let me get to something else. You said, I told her I'll stay with my dad for a little bit and give her space. Meaning you were living with her. Dude, you can't live with her. This causes so many problems. There's a thousand problems that are going to come from you living with her. And when you're, when you're not in a right relationship and you're living with her like this, when you shouldn't be, it makes things worse. Now, now you're in a worse situation. So now you don't even have a place to stay besides your dad. That puts you in a bad spot, man. So guys, girls, just don't live with them. Wait till you get married. It's really that simple. There's a reason it's set up like this. And it's not because it's handcuffs. It's for your own good. It's for you. It's for your good. It's not for your bad. It's not to constrict you. Don't live with them. I don't care if it saves money. Live on a couch of a buddy. Live with your dad. Find another way. There's a better way. This should be a great example for you from now on, buddy, as you move on to the next relationship. Don't rush out and move in with her. And hear her for what she's trying to say. She's not into you. Next question. Subject line says, in need of advice. Hey, Granger, my name is Clancy. I'm a huge fan of your music and your podcast. I've been have been for a long time now. I'm 22, happily married, and my wife and I are both Christians. The song Tractor really hits home for me. My dad is a farmer, and he would love to see me take over the family farm. However, I am currently employed by an electrician, and I love my job. When I'm on the farm with my dad, I can sense that it breaks his heart to see that I'm taking a different path in life than the one he thinks I should take. Am I being selfish by doing what I want to do? Any advice would be appreciated. Thanks for all you can do. Okay, buddy, Clancy, thanks for the email. And uh, let's dive into this. You're 22, happily married. Um, this, is a, this is a situation where you are, you're married, you have a wife. The decision 
that your dad wants you to take and, and be a farmer is not yours to make anymore. It was a few years ago before you got married, but now it's a mutual decision between you and your wife. And so it starts there. This is, this is a big time discussion between you and your wife. And you go to her and you say, dad is, I'm sure you've done this, by the way. Your dad is, dad is trying to get me to become a farmer, but I have a good job as an electrician. It's a good paying job and I really enjoy it. And your wife says, babe, do that. And then you go, okay. And then you go to your dad and go, dad, could I talk to you? And you sit him down and you say, dad, I, I love you. I respect you. And, and I just love that you provided for us, for the family, for so long, doing what you love. Can I just tell you that right now, today, I love being an electrician. And I don't want that to disappoint you because I know you want me to be a farmer, but me and my wife have had this conversation. And as our family grows and as we build our own legacy with our own family, I think that is going to be with me being an electrician. Now, surely he's going to understand that. And that's the right thing to do. And that's the right thing to say. However, I will say this too. At, at 22, realize when you know all this and you have that conversation with your dad, realize too that things can change. Things can change. They did for me at 22. I, I'm much different now, 20 years later, than I was at 22. So, Realize that when you tell your dad this, then it that it's never permanent. It's so that's why I said it that way. Hey, dad, right now I love being an electrician. But you could also say, but that could change. Maybe one day I'll be a farmer, but not today. Is there anything, dad? Is there anything you need to tell me? Is there anything I could learn from you? Because maybe one day I will be a farmer. Just indulge him in that. I think that'll make him happy for a little bit. I think that'll ease the heartbreak because I can understand where he's coming from. But indulge him in the fact that nothing is permanent. I might be a farmer. In fact, it's in my blood. Dad, I watched you do this for so many years. It's in my blood. I might be a farmer one day. But right now, that's just not the path me and my wife are on today. If you go in with that mentality that, hey, things might change, you're going to be okay. And you're being honest with your dad and your wife. Next question, subject line says, an introvert's struggle with church. Hey, Granger, I recently found your podcast. I've been so appreciated, uh, appreciative with your voice of reason, even if it's tough love and such hard subjects. I'm very much an introvert, and I understand that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made the way God intended. I trust that the positive traits of being an introvert are and will be part of what God is using my life for. From what I see, church is an environment built for extroverts, and I struggle to reconcile with that. I know I have an immense privilege to be able to participate in gathering and worshiping publicly and a duty to attend, but I just don't look forward to how uncomfortable I feel socially when I go to church. I don't feel judged or unwelcome or just overwhelmingly and forced to open up to people I don't know. Am I not bold enough in my faith that I don't want to go meet everyone at church and open up to them? Am I not convicted enough? For context, I grew up in church, but as a young adult, I've taken personal responsibility for my relationship with Jesus. I find reading my Bible or taking a hike alone to talk to God are when I have my best moments with him. Best, Katie. 
Katie, thank you for the email and thanks for being vulnerable with me. And I hear you. I hear your struggle. And I want to talk this out with you a little bit. Um, you are an introvert. And I don't think that that is, I'm, I'm sure that is not something you can change or should change. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That, that is how you were created, fearfully and wonderfully made, as you said, uh, as God intended. And you, let me dive into something that's, that's interesting that you said, though. Here's, here's what you said. This is your words. It's an immense privilege to be able to participate in gathering and worshiping publicly and I have a duty to attend. Okay, that's interesting you said that. And then right after that, you said, but I just don't look forward to how uncomfortable I feel when I go. So that's a, So here's the danger. The danger is being driven by how we feel as opposed to what we know. And we know we have a duty to attend public worship. We know we need to go on, Lord, on the Lord's Day and spend Sunday with fellow believers, worship publicly, and commune with them. We know that because, because God said that the church is his bride. And so this is like what you're saying. You're basically saying, Granger, I like you, and I like hanging out with you, but I don't like hanging out with your wife. So if it's okay, I would just like to hang out with you. And that's when I get to know you better when we have walks in the woods. But I don't like your wife. And I just, I'm just not comfortable because I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to your wife. So you see what I'm saying? You can't deny that. You can't deny the church, which is the bride of Christ. So instead, what you need to do is you need to go, God, I know you want me to go to church. I know it's my duty. Those are your words. I know it's my duty. And I'm gonna, I need to overcome this fear, this social fear, and this, this overwhelming feeling of being uncomfortable. I need to get over that. Because here's what, here's what you don't have to do. Did you, yeah, Katie. Katie, here's what you don't have to do. You don't have to go to church and meet everybody and be a social butterfly and float the room and shake everybody's hand. There, nothing says you have to do that. I'm going to suggest maybe, maybe there's another church for you. Maybe there's a different way of worship and a different style, a different denomination. And, and really, as long as, as long as they're a Bible-teaching church, then the dom- denomination doesn't matter. That's just a form of worship. And if you feel more comfortable in, in a new form of worship, as long as it's biblically based, then maybe that helps you. Maybe that's one of the solutions I, I could suggest to you. The one thing I would say is don't avoid it just because you feel uncomfortable. Instead of going by what you feel, go by what you know. And you know what the Bible says. And we need to come together on the Lord's Day at least once a week and be with other believers, like-minded people like us. It helps us. You can continue your alone hikes with God in your alone time reading your Bible. That's great, and you should never give that up. But it's not a trade-off. It's not one or the other. Go and worship with the bride of Christ. Overcome your feelings and go with what you know. Next question, subject line says, how to ask her. 
Hey, Granger, my name is Jesh. I'm 18 years old from Oregon. There's a girl at my church who I really like. I took her to homecoming, and we've been hanging out and talking ever since. We both really like each other, and I'd like to ask her parents to start dating. This is my first relationship. I'm just not exactly sure how to go about it. I'm not sure if I should ask her parents for approval first or just her straight up. We're both strong believers, and I just want to make sure I do this right. I was hoping you can give me a bit of advice on the matter or point me in the direction of one of your podcast episodes that you've already talked about this. Thanks a lot. Have an awesome day. Yee-yee. Josh, thanks for the email, buddy. I love this email. And what's crazy sometimes as I do this podcast is I read, I read emails and I think to myself, well, this is your answer. You've actually written your answer to me. And, and instead, of, instead of writing it to me, Josh, say this to her dad, just like you said it. I, I love that you, not a lot of guys would even recognize that. Not a lot of guys would even say, I feel like I should ask her parents. I love that. And in London, who is 11 years old and seven years behind you, I would just love the fact if her first boyfriend asked me permission. In fact, I've already trained her and I've already told her, hey, London, what happens when a boy asked you if you want to be a, her, his boyfriend? Girlfriend, what am I saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Her answer is, and she's already been trained, her answer is, what did my dad say? So, yeah. So that, that's how she's trained. I love that you're thinking that way, Jesh. And what I would do is I would go to her parents and I would say this, and I'm going to use your words. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, I took your daughter to homecoming and we've been hanging out and talking and we both really like each other. And I'm actually interested in dating her. This is my first relationship. And I'm just not exactly sure how to go about it. And I want to ask your approval and see what you think about it. We are both strong believers. And I just want to make sure this goes right. I mean, how could you, how could you go wrong with saying your words to the parents? I mean, what parent wouldn't be like, okay, well, thank you, Jesh. Thanks for being honest and we do give you approval and here's our guidelines or our boundaries or whatever they're going to say. But I think that's a really good start, man. I think that's a good foundation. So good job, brother. Next question. Subject line says, advice, please. Hey, Granger, this is Jeremy. I'm 15. I'm from Oregon. I met this girl. I really like her. She's not a Christian and I am. She says that some of her family are Christians and she says she will respect the fact that I am a Christian. I really want to ask her out. What should I do? Does it matter if she's not a Christian? It's funny how these a lot of these questions are um, Christ-leaning these days, and I enjoy that. Thanks for the question, Jeremy, and I appreciate you reaching out. 15. Um, Jeremy, I'd like to introduce you to Jesh, <laughs> the guy that just emailed. I, w- I want you guys to get together, and Jesh, I want you to talk to Jeremy and pour some pour some of your advice into him if you could. I'll connect you guys after. The, I'm just kidding, but wouldn't that be cool? Um, Jeremy, 15 is really young to be thinking so deeply about a relationship, and I, I do appreciate that you're vulnerable and you're reaching out like this. Um, but dating, in its essence, dating is for marriage. It is a is a is the first step leading to marriage. So dating should start with the mentality of I'm looking to find the woman I'm going to marry. 
And if 15 is, if you're not ready to get married at 15, then uh, that you have some serious thought ahead of you. So with that kind of mentality, then think about it this way. You're looking for the woman you want to marry as your wife. Then ask the question, is it okay to marry a non-Christian when I'm a Christian? And then the, the problems start arising when you ask it in that way. The problems come up like this. How, how are we going to raise our children? What are we going to do about church? What are we going to do about our moral compass? How will we discipline? How will we pray? How will we celebrate Christian holidays? These are all kinds of major problems that come up, and 15 years into a marriage, they become really big deals, right? Because you got now you got, I'm putting you way ahead in your future. You got an eight-year-old little girl, you got a five-year-old little boy, and you're you're needing them to go to church and your wife says, I don't think it's necessary. And although a long time ago when you guys first met, she says, I'll respect the fact that you're a Christian, but now we're talking about my kids and that's a whole different conversation because with you, it was something now with my kids and now you're forcing your religion on my kids and I don't agree with it. Now it's a problem. Now we're talking about divorce. Now we're going to, this is a snowball just going down the mountain. So Jeremy, you're 15 clean slate, the beginning of a chapter, nothing is written yet. Now, how do you feel about your own question? It's not so good anymore. It's a little scary now. Now there's a lot more weight to it. Now, the thing is, you really like her. So the further you go down this path, because you really like her, that like that that feeling that you have is going to grow and grow and grow and start turning into love. And as soon as, it's, as it starts turning into love, then you've got bigger problems because it's harder to get back out because it's harder to pull your heart back. So right now you got to protect your heart, guard it. Don't let it go too far down this path because you're heading down a treacherous path, right? This is a dangerous road you're going down when you have all kinds of decisions in your future that will destroy a marriage. And right now you're thinking, dude, I'm 15. I wasn't even talking about marriage. I'm just trying to get you to think way down the road because decisions like this impact your life and your future. Okay, Jeremy, I appreciate the email. Think really hard about what I said. Email me back if you have another question. I love you guys. If you have a question for me, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next Monday. Yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee.